Welcome to Tactically Speaking. I'm Samer. I'm Javi. Today we're going to look at a couple games from the weekend. We're going to look at Manchester United versus Fulham. We're going to look at Chelsea versus Manchester City and the MLS game. Yeah, uh, Atlanta United versus Portland, MLS Cup. Let's go. Let's do it. And Sergio Ramos gets a nipple erection. Samar, so first, Manchester United uh, versus Fulham, right? Yes. Um, obviously a great result if you're a Manchester United fan. I still, uh, you know, there's a lot to be desired. We were talking a little bit about before. It's hard to watch Manchester United, which has not always been the case. I think uh, in this game against Fulham, it seemed as if Manchester United was just had a better 11 out on the field, and Fulham didn't really have a game plan, even when we went down early on. They didn't seem to have much urgency in trying to get back in the game and counter. And Manchester United was able to take care of their athleticism and, and speed and finish off some opportunities and go up 3-0 before half. Yeah, honestly, it's. I think this is going to take not very long to review. I think one thing we're going to have to struggle on this podcast is in knowing when to say there's just nothing there to look at. Right, right. Uh Think sometimes, hopefully, we don't fall in the trap of saying like, "Oh yeah, you know, this was the tactic, this was the like." No. Right. I think there's a little bit to look at for Fulham, uh, maybe a little bit for United, but at some point we're just gonna have to stop talking and move on to the next game. Right. And there, sometimes there just isn't much to look at. I think this is one of those. I, I agree. Uh, one thing I noticed uh, was having Endo Herrera in there, who I love, I always loved him. He brings a certain energy that has been kind of lacking, I think, in the midfield for Manchester United in the past. And him and Matic were kind of sitting in protecting the back four. And not that Fulham really challenged them much, but United was able to, you know, anything that Sessegnon on the outsider, um, you know, anybody coming through the middle, United was able to kind of handle. I think their main game plan, so to speak, if they had one, was getting it out to Rashford, Mata, let them create lots of crosses, typical English soccer, you know, find the big man in the middle, had a couple of, one of their goals looked like it was straight off the training yeah. ground on the set piece, worked well, you Everybody saw Marino getting the high like five. Yeah. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, outside of that, it, it seemed to be just Manchester United who had some better players that came to play and finished their chances, and Fulham didn't really they look like a team that have been at the bottom of the table for most of the season and deserve to be there <laughs> and deserve to be there uh even with the new coach so i don't know that there's much to put into that other than when was fulham going to take their opportunities and go forward yeah, so something i struggled with taking notes for this game was how much do i overthink this in terms of how much there is in terms of tactics and how much is it that when you put a bunch of people in a field with no opposition and, you know, you string five passes together, it looks like your tactics, but really you're doing something tactically, but you're not. It's just right. there's nobody there. I have a question for you. Is Andrew Herrera the most tactically oriented player on the squad or maybe on the pitch at least? What What are your thoughts on, on that? Because you were talking about he brings that energy. 
to me, he not just brings the energy. He was the only one. He and Mata, when he comes on, are really the, the two players that are like, okay, this is what you're supposed to do when you get the ball. You look over here, you change it to over there, you pass it. They're the, the only two that seem to have something in their mind. I, I completely agree with that. Having watched them, you know, almost religiously since the two have gotten there, Mata and Herrera on the field together, one of my favorite combinations. I don't know if it's growing up in Spain and having a similar style that they played growing up, but they seem to get it. They get each other. They have that, you know, idea of how we're supposed to play, what we're supposed to look for, the runs, when to play one touch, when to play, you know, two, when to swing it around. And it's totally different when those two are on the field. And you can see it make a difference in other players too. Rashford starts to get in the mix a little bit. Mata just seems to set people up and he has a vision and I love when Mata's on the field because he has composure, he has the experience, and he might not have the pace that he used to or anything, but he's able to set things up and find that space and create chances. And I, I really like when Mata's on the field. And I agree with you. Herrera, he, you can see him thinking. And, and like yeah. we talk about with a quarterback going through progressions on the field, you know, on routes. Herrera seems to be doing that on the field for soccer. Okay, well, this guy's supposed to be here. He's not, so let me do this. And he does it so quickly and makes it seem so easy. Yeah. Tactically speaking, yeah. <laughs> in the first half, okay? One thing that did seem clear to me, you touched on it a little bit. The United plan seemed to be very obvious, even from a Mourinho standpoint, cross the ball. Yes. Even when they had opportunities to not cross, to, to attack in other ways, they there were players that would actually like turn around when it was not the logical thing to do and like pass it out to the wing for a cross or... Some players I noticed, especially like Dalo, who played a good game. We can talk about that later. But yeah. from a tactical standpoint, sometimes I saw that he was like, he was standing in a place that was really awkward for him to stand. And right. I got the sense that it was like this, that he's thinking, this is where I've been told I need to stand. Right. And just cross it in. Right. That was really the, I think the only takeaway for me, at least from the first half from United. Yeah. I mean, they, they did what they needed to go, do against a team that is not playing well and has not been playing well. And put on a, a much more complete performance than they have in most games this year. But a lot of that, I think, comes down to who they were playing. And they were just able to kind of boss them around because they were yeah. they were better on the field. They had a better 11. So let's talk about who they were playing, untactically speaking. <laughs> yes, yeah. What the hell? Yeah, I, I mean, Fulham, again, like I said, you can see their struggles defensively. They've given up numerous games. They've given up more than three goals. Uh, and they continued to leak in the back, and United took advantage of it and finished their opportunities. They could have had more in the second half. It could have been easily six, you know, one. I wish I could, I could peer into their training sessions leading up to this week, and you know, the speech right before the game from Ranieri. I don't, I just don't understand what possibly they could have talked about because, sure, they were defending. We see that teams have to defend sometimes. That's fine. But the strategy is always the same if you're going to defend. Is right. Get a few people up, even if you don't want to risk much, when you recover the ball, get a few people up right. and attack. Or maybe you're okay with the tie, you know? But they were not trying. Even when they got scored on, they would recover the ball. Yeah. And literally nobody would move forward. Right. They would just sit there. It seems like a team that is already defeated. I'm they Even with the new manager, and Claudio Ranieri is not a bad manager. He, no, you know, but, he took Leicester to the title. He's yeah. he's had some success as a manager. He knows what he's doing. I think it's it's gonna take the you know the next couple of weeks, this Christmas period. We always talk about being really harsh in the Premier League. 
so many games in so little time mixed in with, you know, some teams finishing up Champions League. And if Fulham don't get some results, they could put themselves in an even deeper hole. It was so bad. It was bad. Yes. Did you take any notes for what homework or anything for them at halftime? Or was there not much to see here? I mean, it came down to energy and, you know, how much will they had. There was a couple of uh, Fulham guys you saw there wanting to uh, wanted to create some chances and do something. And their goal came from uh, the forward get himself in a dangerous position. I don't think it was a PK. I think it was a good tackle by Herrera, but PK nonetheless because he's getting himself in a dangerous sure. position. And that's really it. You create the opportunity. You created the opportunity, yeah. yeah. And so you have to have some more energy going forward. You have to have a little bit more willingness to defend with everything you got and fight for it because this is a tough league. And unless you want to go back down to the championship, something has to change for them. My homework, I have it here in my notes that I wrote down for Fulham for halftime. Your homework is do something, anything. That's what (laughs) I wrote down. That's fair. That's fair. You got scored on. You have to score at least one goal to get right. anything out of this game. Why are you not giving a crap about it right. like at all? I, and, I just, and they have some talented players. Yeah. It's not like they don't have anything. I mean, they brought in Andre Schurler. They have the young guy, Sessegnon. They've got some players that can do some stuff. It's just it seems like uh, the heart and the, the will is kind of you know not there right now. Um, I For the sake of contributing something from the United standpoint. You know, they played a good game because of everything we've talked about and really no competition. Uh, the other thing that I would have uh, liked for them to to try in the first half, because they can, you know, you're against a rival that's going to let you try whatever you want, is right. try a little bit more variety in your offense. Yeah. Shoot from outside uh, the box. Try to some inside passes. It, it's weird to to argue with what they had because it's working. Right. But I think these games are also a good opportunity to at least explore more options, you know, because right. you know you're, you're probably going to win and you, you have the means to do it. Right. So that was really my only homework for them is just to see a little bit more variety in offense. But there were no glaring errors, tactically speaking, for yeah. United because uh, nobody was challenging them on them. Right. I mean, it is hard to, to argue with their performance because they came out with you know, 4-1. And they had some other opportunities, and they controlled the game, and they looked the better team, and they looked like a team that has improved from their past four outings. But how much they were really exposed is is very minimal. It's hard to say that Phil Jones and Chris Smalling did a wonderful job when they weren't really challenged. And that defense is something that has been a little bit lackluster, a lot of changes this year through injuries and things. Uh, I do want to touch on briefly here, uh, Diego Dela, he impressed me. Uh, yes. I thought he played a very good game. He had one just beautiful cross in that I can't believe somebody didn't just throw something on. I mean, it is textbook cross, whipped it in low and hard, bending into the run. If anybody touches it, defender sure. or United player, it's in. I thought he played well defensively. That's two good games for him in a row. So I'd like to see him continue to develop and get some more time and see if he can uh, really be a mainstay in this team going forward in the second half or at least getting some quality minutes. Yeah, the only thing that he did is a great game and I just want to see how he continues to play in right. other games because he had some of those awkward times. It wasn't necessarily bad. Right. I guess it was just there were a few times where I was like, you're just standing there because like you're, 
I can tell that right now you're not thinking about the game. You're thinking right. about that time in practice when the coach told you to stand here. Right. And you did that. It's fine. Right. Whatever. He just has to learn to adapt in the game. One thing I want to look forward to in future games when they're, again, playing against a mm-hmm. different rival. When United was playing the ball out of the back, Dalo... Dalo? Dalo? Yeah, Dalo. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. That dude. <laughs> he would interpret well when to stay up and not come to help on playing the ball out of yeah. the back because sometimes they didn't need right. him to. And he, w- he would always push as far forward as Fulham would let him while still having space. Right. You know, when they were in the second half, they were pressured a little bit more out of the back. United was, he would drop a little bit more and help on more parallel passes. Right. In the first half, especially when that was not the case, even when they were playing out of the back, he was not even making an effort to come back. But I think it was good in the sense that that way they could just pass it. And by the time he received it, he was 20 yards further up the field than he would have if he had right. come back. So I'm curious, I'm, re- I'm legitimately super curious to see in other games when he plays, was that him interpreting that? Right. Was that a coaching thing? I don't know, but I'm curious. Those are little yes. things that I'm like, oh, that's cool. Because normally you see that fullback come back a lot more. Yeah. And he wasn't. So I'm like, oh, okay. Is there something to it here? I don't know. So we'll see. Yeah, that'd be, he played against, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the midweek game against Arsenal, but he played and, and he impressed them too. So we'll yeah. see. They have Champions League tomorrow, final group game, uh, which is, we're led to. Or we're being told that's why Pogba was rested. Sure. Uh, they after it was I think it was Rashford maybe his goal they panned over to Pogba and you could see his face. Yeah. That'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Can he come in because the midfield had a good performance, but you can imagine you can't keep Pogba on the bench. Yeah. So I would like to see how that plays out. In the second half, Fulham played a little bit more like equals. They Clearly did. a coaching. Yes. Speech, pep talk, whatever, right. in the um, in the locker room. Because from the first minute, it's not like they were coming out like guns blazing no, or anything. No, but, but they, they just played the way they should have in the in the first half. Right. Something that I found interesting. This is they just need to practice. To me, it's it's pretty incredible that this we've talked about it so many times. It's pretty incredible that stuff like this happens at professional levels. Right. There were times where I thought they did a good job for them at pressuring United high because they yes. obviously need to score. They would recover the ball. The players literally did not know what to do with the ball. Right. It's like it was the first time yes. they'd had a yeah. soccer ball on their feet and they're like, uh... To me, that's inexcusable. I agree. As a soccer player, you have even if you know, you're know you outnumbered and the other team is better, there's certain just intrinsic things about soccer players you should know. Like, okay, turn around, pass it back to this. Right. Or... You know, dribble to the outside so I don't lose it over here or whatever it is. But right. it seemed to me they would recover the ball on United's third mm-hmm. and literally do not know what to do with the ball. And, yeah. And sometimes we say that's because, oh, because sometimes it's because the team didn't support and sometimes that can happen. This time I would notice it or I thought it was the players themselves. They were right. like, I don't, I forgot how to play soccer on right. the side of the field. Well, yeah. Did you notice anything like that? That's a good point. And I don't know if it's because of. I don't know how it is to be a player and have a managerial change in the middle of your season and have somebody with different you know, ideas and different mentalities and different ways of playing. And now they're getting out there and whether it's, okay, well, you know, we're down three, nothing anyways, sure. my head's a little bit down. And now how does this manager want to want me to play? Are they overthinking it? I mean, still, I think it's unexcusable because you are a professional. You've made it to that level. You can do something. There's a reason you're in this level. But I would be interested to see if that if that kind of thing continues to happen under Ranieri or if in a couple of weeks' time they start to get a little bit more comfortable with what he's asking them to do and see if that's a, 
that's them as players and their skill set or if it's them overthinking and trying to figure out yeah. how they need to change. It, w- it would be very interesting. I agree with you. It, it, it reminded me also, like almost like the offensive equivalent of when you see a defender, which is also inexcusable, like a center back, no pressure. Right. And he just punts the ball and he punts it horribly and it goes out of bounds and he had nobody around Nobody him. around, yes. That is inexcusable at a professional level. I agree. I agree. Again, you and I have not been professionals, but, you know, we also have not had the experience of playing in that stadium right. where you can get acclimated and eventually just play like you would right. on the streets. You know? right. It's just inexcusable as it's this intrinsic, basic soccer skill that when you receive the ball of your center back, yes. be aware of your surroundings. Right. Sometimes it's okay if you're if you're scared somebody's coming and you kick it out, you don't risk it. But there are sometimes where center backs will just like kick it out. So And you're like, you should not have done that. That's just you're a bad soccer player. I yes. don't know why you're here. Right. <laughs> that is how I felt with how some Fulham offensive players were playing. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I don't know, man. I agree. Uh, it's so uh, it's just frustrating to see that like on professional levels because right. I want to analyze the tactics so much, but the my only tactical feedback to that is right. practice like a better soccer player. <laughs> yeah. And I have some later when we're done with the game analysis. I want to hand out one specific booking. Okay. Okay. And uh, spoiler alert: it's to Matic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. But it's to Matic as an example. But right. But it's a, a broader, a broader thing. We'll talk a about it a little bit later. Okay. Uh, what do you want to see from these teams moving forward? Fulham, I want to see. Do you have heart? Do you have some type of change under Ranieri? Uh, can you survive? Fulham is a. One of those classic clubs in the Premier League. I want to see them stay up. I love the look of Craven Cottage. It looks like a fantastic place. Everybody I've heard, you know, it's fantastic to go watch a football match. But they have a lot to work on to survive. They're still in it. They're not far off of some of the other teams that are down there. But they have to figure out who, what is their identity as a team, and yeah. how are they going to create opportunities. I'm basically saying I I want to see them come out in the first half with the intensity of of the first. Right. We were talking about how when you're, you know, when you get scored, you're down one, even if your strategy was to tie, mm-hmm. when you're die, down one, losing does not yield you any points. So you have to take a little bit more risk. Uh, they ha- That's what their season is like. Right. Metaphorically speaking, in the season, yeah. they're down. They right. got scored. Right. So now every single game, they have to come out like they're down so. one zero. Mm-hmm. And they have to try to go out and score goals. Right. And save at least one point where they can. If they come out every game the way they did in that first half, it's not. They're not even going to pull off ties. No, they're going to lose every game no. from here on out. Well, they have to. They have to figure out defensively how can they stop letting in so many goals. I forgot the statistic and how many of their past games they've let in three or more goals. Well, they don't have the star power up front to consistently score three or four goals a game. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to ask. Yeah. City and Liverpool are probably the only two that can pull that off yeah. right now. Yeah. And so if you're getting yourself behind that early and going behind that much, you're fighting an uphill battle the rest of the game, the rest of the season. So they've got to tighten up at the back first and foremost. Yeah. United. <sighs> As you know, big United fan. I struggle recently watching them and their style of play. I don't want to put it all on Mourinho. Just most of it. But I'm going <laughs> to put most of it on Mourinho. It's... I don't have the same excitement as I used to when I would watch them. And it's been like that really since, you know, Alex Ferguson. And then it's it spikes here and there. 
But that free-flowing attacking, you know, you'll hear the Manchester United fans yelling attack, 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 and they're chanting because they want to see that. Let Rashford, let Martial, let them go one-on-one. Let Mata create some things. I want to see them kind of take the game to some other people, make some other teams fear them again. Yes. It'll be interesting to see how they continue in the back again with, I mean, Eric Bailly has been out. He was supposed to be, you know, great center back pickup and for a while it looked like he was. A lot of injuries. Phil Jones, Chris Smalling, Marcus Rojo coming back. There's a lot of moving parts in the back and I would like to see a center back pair Stick. Stick. Yeah. Okay. Lindelof, sure. like something yeah. consistency and let's build upon that and get some type of identity. It's a long way to go to get back into the top four, especially the way the other teams are playing right now. And that's sad. Yeah. As a United <laughs> fan to say I, I, that I hope we're in the top I six. I will tell you, man. I will tell <laughs> you. I do put it on Mourinho. Yeah. And here's why. Here's his whole thing. Mourinho's whole thing is he took a Porto, a Porto, right. Porto to a Champions League title. Then he took Inter Milan. His whole thing is he's not like, oh, we're gonna play pretty. We're gonna right. play beautiful and right. we'll see what happens. He's no. never been his that. whole thing is I'm tactically sound. Yeah, but they're out of date. They, they're outdated. Manchester United is not tactically sound. I don't watch as many games as you do for right. United, but I'll tell you, I do watch a lot. Sometimes not the whole game, but most of the games. I watch, watch a fi- whole game. I watch a fair amount. Every single time I sit down, before I sit down and watch, I'm like, oh, United's not great this season. All right, let's sit down and watch this game. And then I watch, I'm like, wow! they. I forgot from the last from last week yeah. that it's a mess. It's like you just put 11 random dudes out there yeah. and they, they never play together. And right. even the injuries, I don't buy it because, sure, you have injuries and that affects you. Right. But injuries and, and you know having a center-back pair, that, that can be a difference like, between like finishing like first and second, right? Like be, you know, in, right. in the clo- in those close in those games, close where, games. The, where it's decided by by you know by hair. No, this is just like, oh man, he's, his whole thing is tactics, right? And they stink at it. I, I he's the game has evolved so much, and Mourinho is still stuck in what made him successful. I'll give him that. He's he has a lot of successful teams. Are they have they ever been pretty to watch? No. Yikes. Okay, but he's figured out how to win in the past. Those are outdated. Look at Jurgen Klopp. Look at Pep Guardiola. Very different types of managers yeah. than Mourinho. They will just even the press conferences and and beating down your players yeah. and calling them out. No, I understand man. sometimes you got to call out a player if you if you've talked to them and there's a time and a place where you call out a player. By the way, a a better a evolved version of Mourinho, Simeone. Yeah. I agree. Tactically yeah. genius, uh, favors the right. defense a little bit more. Even sometimes in the press conference, you know, he's a little bit yeah. out there. He's more yeah. of a rowdy he's kind of coach. He's a little bit edgy, but knows how to keep. It. He's a, a refined. Correct. In my opinion, my, he might not have two Champions League titles. Right. Yet, but right. in my opinion, much better version of what Mourinho should be. I agree. Be. I think that's. I think that's a great comparison. Yeah. I agree. Uh, just again for the sake of contributing something here, <laughs> I legitimately, I, I do want to see. United just try a little bit more variety on offense, right. especially when given the opportunity. They did a really good job in this game of like waiting for the the space to open on the right side of attack. If the right is not open, then yeah. do a good job switching to the left. Right. What I want to see is as they're doing that transition, at least look every once in a while out of the corner yard to see if something is available down the middle. Try right. a pass, try right. a shot. But they were not really even interested in that. No. Just 
playing in the wings. Yes. So that's really my main thing. Um, once we analyze a, a United game with the better rival, then we right. can really dig into it. Right. Uh, Manchester United. Let's see. Let's see. We can hope for good things. <laughs> Okay, let's transition to Chelsea Manchester City. Okay. My first takeaway from this is one thing is very clear to me. Sorry, listen to our podcast. Yeah. Okay? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think there's no doubt. I think <laughs> we'll check. Uh, we'll check the messages later. See yeah. if he sent anything in. Uh, because <laughs> everything that we criticized them for. Right. It was very different. This yeah, week. and improved on and yeah. So thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Um, hey, he must have listened to it after the midweek game against Wolves. So. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He finally realized, I need to take some advice. Well, we were so. a little bit slow to upload, so it's true, probably that. That's true, that's probably, probably what it was. He definitely listened to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was very different. It's uh, still not great, I thought. I still have some room for improvement. But they did what they needed to do against the league leaders and a team that had been unbeaten coming into this. You saw Hazard, kind of that false nine, and... Everybody behind the ball. They knew that City was going to have the possession. Very few teams are going to compete with City in possession. And they let City have possession, but they got back and they defended. They had a, you'd look at times and Hazard is that false nine. He's back on his own half defending. Uh, Willian and Pedro, they're coming back to help out and double team on the outsides because the City is so dangerous on that, on the flanks. But, and then they'd win it, play the long ball. Hazard's up there. And he can create things. But what were your initial thoughts? Similar, I think. I mean, they interpreted that they ultimately won. I think because they they were, they were excited to win it, and they they wanted to win it, and they, I think that's what took them through the game. Right. But tactically, I think they did a, a number of things that were really really interesting, and I really liked. First, they they pressured the defensive line. Right. But they without over committing the team forward. So they they pressured that defensive Manchester City line in the first half, especially. And if City is a good team, so occasionally they can get the. And we'll talk about City in a second. Yeah. If City cleared that line, then Chelsea then receded. Correct. You know because the risk is if you stay overcommitted up top, and City beats that line, then they have a one on one. Right. But I I I, we, I thought that was really cool that Chelsea did that. They were like let's pressure that first pass out of the back. Right. Which I think they did a, such a great job. I they, think so They too. recovered the ball a lot of times on their position third. Chelsea, they're or City, they're a good team. Occasionally, they got past that line, and she was like, "All right, fine, that's fine. We'll just wait back here now." Right, right. So I, I thought that was very interesting how they they broke down how Sari did not want to pressure in the midfield. Right. He wanted to pressure that first pass out of the back, and obviously, you know, defend. Right. Of course. Defend the back. Um, I like that. I thought that was really really cool. Yeah. Especially because my notes on City are the criticisms on how they handle that. Right. I mean, I think for Chelsea too. Like you're talking about, they, they won a lot of those balls in the middle. And I'll come back to Kante being slightly out of position. So bad. Okay. Not Kante, but Kante, Kante, the, yes, the I, plan for Kante. Right. Yeah. He's winning those balls in the middle after they're pressing, which is great. But Kante now being out kind of to the right and out of position, he's not a guy that has built his career on taking people one-on-one. And those are the situations he kind of ended up in, especially with Chelsea – Having so many men back, he yeah. doesn't have as many options that he's looking forward. So he's not a guy that's going to take him on one-on-one. So sometimes he might just have to play a long ball or try and play it out wide. And it, he didn't have as many options because that's not his style. 
So I can only imagine if you had someone in there that's a true like attacking mid, yeah, that really had their creativity. You know, Chelsea might have taken this to them a little bit earlier. They might have been up one nothing earlier. Um, because but true. but I think um, having Hazard there to kind of create in that false nine helped them in this game plan for sure. It certainly did. And when they did have the ball and they were on offense. Last time when we looked at the Chelsea game on the podcast, it was a very bad strategy. Right. A very clear strategy, a very clear directive from the coach of like these three specific players. Right. Morata, Kante, and Willin or Hazard, whichever didn't have the ball, just stand still in the box right. wait for the cross. And we criticized that and we said, you have such creative players, let them have, be creative let with the ball. Let them create, yeah. And that's exactly what they did here with Pedro in especially. Yes. Um, Hazard was really stuck in the middle, mainly only when they were trying to get the team up. But once right. the team was up, Pedro, William, Hazard, moving fluid. about fluid, this is what we want to see from these guys. Yeah, and absolutely. It, it worked because not only obviously did they win the game, but they, there was always a, a sensation that something was going to happen. Right. I mean, and that, that to me is the evidence that Sari listens to this podcast. I think so too. <laughs> I don't think you can argue with it. Uh, now, as good as Chelsea were in defending and... You saw it a couple times, Sané in the box, and City have played these great passes, and then all of a sudden, you've got five Chelsea defenders on him, you know, not giving him any room to breathe in the box. As good as Chelsea were at that, City dominating that first half and having opportunities just tells me how good Manchester City are. Yeah. For as good as Chelsea, but City could have been up one, maybe two, nothing before Chelsea scored, and then it's a whole other game. City continued to control the first half. I thought they had some chances. I thought it was interesting that he went with Raheem Sterling at the false nine. Mm-hmm. Both teams playing the false nine, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Raheem Sterling, for me, is not an out-and-out striker by any means. No. I don't think he's a great finisher. He's had some great finishes, but I don't think he's a great finisher. You have to have in that nine, that you have a mentality and this killer instinct of I'm going to put it in the back of the net. I'm going to take, you know, a split second. All I need is this little bit of space and I'm going to put it in the back of the net. Raheem Sterling doesn't have that. When Aguero's not there, it has to be Jesus, right? I would think so. I I would think think so. And he was on the bench and that's what, you know, who am I to question Pep Guardiola, first of all? (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I, I thought maybe with Jesus in there, is he that guy? He's still, he's not quite Aguero. But he's he's a good player. He's a good striker. Yeah. He knows what he wants to do, and he's a good finisher. And so I thought, well, maybe with Jesus in there, doesn't make it a little different because City still bossed Chelsea at times in the first half and did what they wanted and stretched them out wide. You saw Sane and Mares getting wide and yeah. just really stretching Chelsea and creating those opportunities in the middle. Just not having that clinical finisher, we saw the result there. Yeah, I will tell you the the one the main thing I agree with what you said about City is that their ability to have so much position in the first half is driven by the quality of the players. Right. I don't think they did such a great job as a team. Here's what I mean. I was just talking about how Chelsea was pressuring that first pass out of the back. Yeah. Normally teams don't do that to City because it does not end well for no. them. No. So the back line of City normally is playing at the midfield line. Right. So the midfield line of City is playing ten yards ahead of that. This time, the back line of City was just outside of their own box. Right. Their midfield line 
did not fall back to compensate for that difference in right. distance. So a lot of the times they were actually just playing out the back by by uh by kicking it. Right. They weren't just blindly punting it because they're good players. Right. So you know it's long passes and they're good players and good players who can receive the ball and mm. make something out of it. But I I thought that the midfielders did not do a good job at making up for that difference in distance where they normally because they're like oh normally I stand here and I receive the ball in a ten yard pass. Right. And this time they should have dropped. 30 yards to to help out and the players were not doing that as a team no and, and that that i think they they suffered a little bit because of that again possession because of the quality of players but as a team i don't think they did such a great job at adjusting to to that pressure right well uh, to your point there if you look at who you know, if they put this 4-3-3 if you look at their three center mids they've got fernandinho yes defensive mid sure okay david silva and bernardo silva not guys that I would typically say as kind of an out and out center mid. David Silva, right. you know, he's played like in the, what the Brits attacking call mid. The box, the box. Right, right. Yeah. He, you know, you just have kind of Fernandinho there, and and he had Bernardo Silva and David Silva. They also would get wide. Yeah. And so there was kind of a gap in the middle, and so it it left that space. And these guys, you know, Bernardo Silva, he's a guy that likes to get forward. He's very dangerous out wide, and him and David Silva both can be that attacking mid and through the center, but. You see, without having kind of a true center mid or somebody yeah. to um, even kind of go on and create, those they, guys are assist. They're assist guys. They're not clinical goal yeah. scorers. You see how much they miss a guy like Kevin De Bruyne sure. in, a, in a game like this. Because he does he, that. He can the, do. The, yeah. Silva, the, the Silvas, they both like when they play across the middle of the field. Right. Is uh, on the opposing third or opposing half. They're not that box to box. Okay. When my team needs it, I'm gonna come back to right. my box. I'm gonna pick up the ball and bring it forward. They were missing that a little bit yeah, today I agree. because Chelsea, I think, did a good job at pressing that back line. I agree. Yeah. But credit to Chelsea. Yeah. And then they found their goal late on, right before half. Take some momentum into the halftime. For sure. You know, and uh, Conte with the with the finish out of position. Yeah. Great, wonderful finish. Wonderful yeah. finish. Uh, I think it's his second goal this year. Uh, but you know, kind of changed the game there. You saw Chelsea win the ball. We go, you know, they immediately kind of go forward. Hazard's creating something. He's got that freedom. Ball pops back out to Conte, and he puts it in. So what do you expect when you give those quality players the ball up top? Absolutely, yes. What were your uh, your halftime notes for these guys? Do you have any? <clears throat> uh, halftime, I mean, for City, it was, okay, how can we – how can they finish their opportunities? They're going to create some more. How can we get – you know, continue to create opportunities? Can we kind of force Chelsea back, close that gap a little mm-hmm. bit, and – you gotta always think that that Manchester City's in the game. Yeah. You know, these past two years, you know, not to rule City out. And so even when they were thought, up, when they were down to nothing, I don't care how many goals no. down there are and how many minutes there are left. Right. A few minutes, I don't right. care. I'm not counting right. them out. Right. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And so you know, could they find one early and then turn this game around and yeah. win it two one three one, or you know, what, what was gonna happen? Uh, Chelsea, okay. More of the same. Uh, tighten up. You know, if you can tighten up a little bit more, it's going to take a full 45 minutes of good defending from everybody, from all 11 on the field, to make sure that you hold on to this result. Because, like we were just saying, City can find a way back in almost any game. Yeah. My, my thing for City is really correcting what I was just talking about, the midfielders helping out. Pep teams always do, just like the Spanish team that did so well uh, for so many years, they, whenever, in the rare occasion that teams came back and stole a little bit of the possession. Right. 
I mean, City still had majority of possession, but they didn't have that 70% that right. they have. Right. So normally the way Pep teams react to having a little bit of their possession stolen is you have to make, you make a, they make a statement of the field say, I'm sorry, man, but my whole thing is possession. I have the possession. And the way they do that is they bunch up a couple of players and they have those, those short one-two passes. Right. Even if they're, even if it doesn't take you anywhere, you're not creating an opportunity, but you would see that in Barca, like Xavi and Messi and Iniesta. They would have in a 10 square feet area, they would just pass the ball back and forth between themselves like four times. Right. You know, it doesn't get you anywhere, but basically what you're saying is like, no, no, I'm, I have the possession right. here. Right. Okay. So let me, let me make that clear before I start getting up. I have the possession. And that's something, it, it's, it doesn't slow down the game in the sense that it makes it like boring or slows right. the pace of the game, but it, it uh it creates the pace that City wants, and right. so that's that was really my my homework to them is whenever that was happening that Chelsea was pressuring, they should do what Pep teams are supposed to do, which is to take a second and have three or four passes, you know, where you're just like flanking right. away from a couple of players. Right. I think that that always when when we were on the field and the other team like does it, that always creates a feeling of like I I I have to stop running, right. sprinting right. the ball. Yeah, so absolutely. Let me take absolutely. let me take a step back. And then that's how you kind of push Chelsea a little bit further back. So that was really my main notes for, yeah. for City. And then did you have anything for Chelsea? Uh, I mean, like I said, just... They did can, I mean, they had a good game plan. They had honestly. a good game plan. And they, they into the second half, they continued. I thought they kind of took control of the game a little bit more, kind of came into the game a little bit more on their own. And David Luiz, for all of his inconsistency in the back, uh, <laughs> as David Luiz does, he comes up big on set pieces. Whether he's, you know, hitting them in from himself or, in this case, getting in on a corner. And kind of, you know, giving them that 2-0 lead. Yeah. And they continue to do what they need to do. Again, I there was not... Until the final whistle blew, I, I didn't yeah. rule out City, but... Now that he mentioned that, Luis, he has that thing that I was talking about during the... When I was criticizing the Fulham offense. He, he does that thing that right. is inexcusable in center backs where he'll occasionally, for yes. seemingly no reason... Just kick it. Just kick it. Yeah. Or sometimes where when sometimes he does have to kick it. Yeah. But he has a perfect sort of approach and stance on the ball, and he whiffs it. It's like, man, you're a professional player, yeah. man. Play you some can't big clubs. Do that. I don't even care who's in front of you. You're not. You are a starting center back for Chelsea. Yeah. You've been doing this for years. D- don't talk to me about pressures of the stadium or like I don't care, right. man. Right. You. He and he does that so much. I agree. David Luiz, interesting character, we'll say. Man, second half. Yeah. Uh, it did, so, I mean, honestly, it didn't change much, right? It didn't, it didn't in change the United much. Fulham game, we did see, I think, a very right. clear change in how the teams approached the game. Right. Mainly because Fulham came up a little bit more, forcing right. United to change. Second half in the City-Chelsea game, it didn't really change much, did it? I, I didn't see much change. Um, kind of more of the same waiting for City to put one in to make it interesting and never happened. Chelsea continued to, to fight and get behind the ball and do what they were working on all week. I hope that seeing the success or at least the excitement that the three up top had for, for Chelsea, yeah. I hope that Sarri keeps that mentality going forward of you guys create. Pedro's the kind of player, he's obviously not as good you know, as Hazard. Right. Uh, at this point in his career, he might not even be as good as William. Right. One thing that I do like about Pedro, we were talking earlier about Mata. Yeah. And Herrera. Pedro, when he's on the field, yeah. your whole team 
is going to play in a very particular way. And it's with that thing of like the freedom up top and the runs and the fluidity. Right. He's right. just that kind of player who when he's out there, he's like he you can coach him and you know tactics and tell him to understand. But yeah. when he's out there, he reads the game well. He does. And he he kind of it's contagious. The whole team is kind of Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You, you, everybody takes a step up. Yeah. You know, you, you've I, seen I like those that. players. I really yes. like that about Pedro. Yes. He just needs to be on the field mm-hmm. because then they get, you know how the team is going to attack if Pedro's on the field. Right. Right. Even when he doesn't have the ball. It's just, I don't know. He just conveys that. To I agree. Team. Yeah. I, there's there's I, those honestly, players. I really like that. Yeah. There's some of those players that just, yeah. they, they step on the field. It's, it's and the they, same with Mata. When yeah. Mata's on the field, he's very similar to Pedro mm-hmm. in, in that yeah. style. Or in that capacity to do that. Right. It's the same way. If Mata's on the field yeah. and United has the ball on offense, even if Mata's on the opposite side, you, you know how United's going to attack because Mata's on the field and he just conveys that to the team. Right, right. You don't have a bias towards Spanish players, do you? No. Yeah, no. I, I know nothing. I am from Barcelona. <laughs> There's a, oh, you probably didn't watch Monty, uh, Monty Python. Not Monty Python. Full, um, what's it called? Faulty Towers. Faulty, I did not It's a like really old British show. Yeah. And there was a guy from Barcelona yeah. uh, in a British hotel who okay. would just say, I know nothing, I'm from Barcelona. That's an excuse. So <laughs> right. That's my that's excuse. excuse? <laughs> no okay. bias towards Spanish players. <laughs> that's fair. Fair enough. All right, so what's your homework for Chelsea? For Chelsea, that keep it up. Okay. You know, last I know there was a game, uh, two games in between our original analysis of Chelsea and this one. But in our original analysis, they got their butts kicked. Uh, they yeah. had they created virtually no danger on offense that mm-hmm. original game because of this rigid tactic that was ugly. Didn't take advantage of the kind of players that they had. Sorry, downloaded our podcast. He listened to yeah. it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Took some notes. Maybe played it for his team. I don't yeah. Know. yeah, we had ten views. Uh, yeah, our list downloads. And I like to think that one of those ten views actually counts as twenty-two or twenty-three. I would if, yeah. if it's being played in the locker room. <laughs> I would agree. And then so he listened to that, and then this game. We see a lot more liberty up top right? Uh, on offense. Just have more fun with the ball. Yeah, That's my homework. Just keep doing that. Okay. Uh, City? City. Just, I don't know if this is, it's, it's so cliche to say, oh, it's cockiness or whatever. Because I don't, I, I, I only half believe that, you know, when you and I have played, even when you think you're going to win, you know, no player out there, especially for a team like City, no player other goes out thinking, I'm not going to try hard because we're going to win. Right. You know? Right. Because City, even if they were undefeated, you know, they want to play every game. Yeah. And when they score five, they want to score a sixth goal. Right. So I, you know, I don't want to say the cliche that they, you know, that they were overconfident or, or arrogant in a sense, but they they fail to recognize that things got adverse and they have the skill set to, to address it. And to me, the only thing was like drop the midfield line a little bit further yeah. down to help you push the back. So that's my only homework is the team has to react a little bit better to, mm-hmm. to this kind of adversity. Yeah. I'm going to build off of that a little bit. Start with City. I think an average day for City, you see teams. I mean, it, it's – I think we sometimes are a little unfair yeah. to City uh, given what they've accomplished um, as much as I hate it. Okay? <laughs> um, I think they had an average day against another good team. And one day that they didn't finish their opportunities, they were caught out on it. I like the fact that it's now, you know, it's it's a race um, at the top with Liverpool and City. And you've got, you know, Chelsea and Tottenham kind of trailing behind. I think City will get back on. They will get back to their game plan when Aguero becomes healthier. Jesus gets in there. 
they'll get that missing piece. And, you know, I'm sure that Guardiola is, you know, working on it, figuring out what went wrong yeah. and, and everything. An interesting statistic I saw was Guardiola's lost nine times in the Premier League, three to Chelsea. Oh. So I don't know if that's just his yeah. kryptonite is yeah. Chelsea. Uh, it's certainly not United. But to but, be fair to to what you just said about mm-hmm. giving City credit because yeah. they hold such a high standard, no team in Europe should be ashamed of losing to Chelsea to, right. at Stamford Bridge. At Stamford Bridge, nothing. exactly. Exactly. And they you know, they weren't necessarily played off the field by any means. Right. It was it was a good game. Chelsea finished their opportunities, City did not. Yeah. Um for Chelsea Homework, find some consistency. Uh, you lose a game to Wolves midweek. Uh, you know, we talked about the Tottenham game. And then you come out and you play like this against City. What's going to be, how are they going to go and react the rest of the season? Are they going to be consistent? Are they going to, are we going to see a team that played like this against City in most of the games? Or are we going to have a roller coaster with Chelsea? Uh, some type of, Consistency in the back, I think, is going to be key, and not giving up some of these, you know, fall asleep goals and you know, cuff, had, David Luiz <clears throat> cuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, and finding that consistency in the back—that's what I think. Ultimately, I think this top four finish, but are can they have some consistency? If they can find consistency, maybe they can make it a race. Yeah, because they've got players. We know this. They should be in the in the race for the top. So yeah. let's see what they put together. One more thing I want to say about City that I forgot and I was just looking at my notes. Yeah. This is a signature pep thing of how they pressure that I didn't think they did a good job on today. Is when pep teams pressure. Yeah. Let's say that Chelsea loses the ball on their third or something. Mm. Or or Chelsea have their the ball on their third. Normally the way pep teams pressure is they two or three players sprint to the player with the ball. Right. To suffocate that player, and then two or three others also sprint in that direction to cut the immediate passing lanes, so that you force the other, you suffocate the other player. Most of the time, you steal it right there and then, right. and then you attack. On the rare occasion that doesn't happen, there's no, the the best decision that the defend that the player with the ball can make is to just punt it. Right. Um, in this game, even though they were still pressuring high, they were pressuring as individuals. So right. They were not doing this whole swarm or suffocating. And I think that that didn't help them. So this is not really homework for them because they do this all the time. Right. Again, you know, Pep has figured this one out <laughs> yeah. much better than anybody else. It, so my homework would just, I, I don't know, just they had an off day. Yeah, right. That, you know, if you want to be that great and it looks like it's going to be a really close competition at the end of the season, they just have to do better at this kind of thing every, every single game. Right. I agree. All right, you want to wrap it up with um, Atlanta United and Portland, the MLS Cup. All right. So I watched only half the game. Okay. Um, you were there. Yeah, First I was. First of all, how was it to be there? Uh, it was great. Having you know grown up in Atlanta my whole life, you all, you all hear the jokes of Atlanta's a you know crappy sports town. We choke. You look at the Falcons. Uh, look at how good the Braves were. How many times they made the World Series and won at once. And so to be there when Atlanta won its you know second major championship ever was pretty awesome. It was a great atmosphere, seventy three thousand at the uh, in attendance, another record that they're setting. Yeah. Uh, which is it's cool to be a part of. 
and so as far as the game went, United were heavy favorites coming into this because of their season. They're playing at home in front of, you know, 70 plus thousand and they on paper had a better team. And so coming into the game, they're going with the same formation that has kind of carried them through the postseason. And I'll give Tata Martino a lot of credit after that uh, Toronto game, that the, the very last game of the season, changed up the style going into the playoffs. And they kind of went into a 5-3-2 mm-hmm. with those wing backs and Garza out left and um, Franco Escobar out yeah. right. And then, you know, Lorena Litz kind of dropping in that back line. And that gives Almiron a little bit more freedom up top with Josef Martinez. And then you've got some of the guys in the middle that do a really good job of holding it down. And so they employed the same kind of formation against Portland. And from the beginning for me, it was Atlanta United has control of the game. They had most opportunities. It wasn't the prettiest game I've ever seen. It wasn't the prettiest game I've ever seen Atlanta United play. But they did what they needed to do. And they were in control of the game. Uh, the first goal comes. Michael Parkhurst wins a tackle, you know, in uh, around midfield. Ball bounces to Jose Martinez, goes around the keeper and finishes it. Uh, and then, really, Portland, the only chance they had in that first half was towards the end. Sloppy giveaway, great ball across, lose a marker. Bagrizans makes a great save right before half. Yeah. And Atlanta United, what a, what a great job they do, right, of knowing the players they have, how they like to play, and right. just faci- everything about their play facilitates their style. It, yes. it is in service of that style. You're talking about you know having a couple of quality guys in the middle hold it down. That is the perfect description because that's all they do. They hold it down. Yeah. That's not what you, how Atlanta plays. They don't play down the middle. Right. They like to play with the wings, mm-hmm. with Almiron at top, and you know obviously Jackson Martinez at the top with mm-hmm. those with those fast runs yeah so they like to play a faster game right a lot of times you might suffer if you if you focus too much on that you might suffer in the middle if a team comes in the middle so what do they do they have a couple guys but they they, like you said they hold down the middle yeah in the in the holistic sense of the the word both on offense and on defense right i i I really really love that that how the whole team is kind of in service of it it's not the most beautiful right um yeah, I think part of that is just because we're used to the skills of a lot of the players we watch right. for City and, and Chelsea. Right. So I think it's a little bit of just the individual skill. I agree. But tactically speaking, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I love it. I love yeah, it when everything they, is in service of that style. Mm-hmm. Man, they do such a great job of that. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, Atlanta United fans would... Would be upset with me if I didn't agree. Josef Martinez. Oh, thank Jackson, you. you know, yeah. <laughs> what, did I, what did I say? Jackson. Jackson. Oh, yikes. <laughs> Who? Uh, Jackson Martinez. Jackson. Was he the, um, the player played that played for, for? He played for, he played for Atletico, Atletico. And then went to he China. He went by Jackson. Yeah, yeah and Jackson. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Joseph. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Especially with all his awards this year. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I agree. They, they play to their strengths. They do what they need to do. And they realize that going to the playoffs, hey, it might not be the most – beautiful game but we're gonna we're still gonna attack we're not gonna even though it's a 5-3-2 when they win the ball they find those guys out wide whether it's the wing backs mm-hmm. or Almiron or Martinez up top and I mean Martinez he's not a guy that's gonna create something one-on-one uh he's not a guy that is a great passer yeah. for all of his skills that's not one of them and so they played into that strength of well you know Jose Martinez he might just kind of be up there hanging out for a little while right but then he's going to seize his opportunities. He's that opportunistic striker. And, and we he doesn't saw, get he, frustrated like 
often, which is great about him. Like sometimes, I think sometimes he can. He can, yeah, he, yeah. You can correct from wrong. Yeah. Because I have not seen as much right. as you have, but right. um, I have seen there a few times where he's just he's just ready every time. Like if the ball comes forward, he'll sprint after and go for it. And that's what I mean by fresh. Right. Is that right, he, right. He's when when the ball does come his way, he's man, he's ready for it. Yeah, I agree. It's a short memory he has. Uh, he he gets frustrated with himself or his teammates if oh, he doesn't finish on an individual on an individual level. But yeah, but what on you're an saying, individual yes. play, he'll get frustrated, right. you know, because he's a bit of a hothead in that right. sense. You, right. You know, you know what I'm saying? No, I, I completely agree. But he doesn't agree. get frustrated like for the game, like which other players you can take them out easily just by like nudging them, following them a couple times, or if your team's playing defensively and he doesn't see the ball in half an hour, they right. get frustrated and they, and they lose focus. That's right. happened to Martinez. He, no. He just, whenever you need him, he's there. I think, I think that's an excellent point that he, you know, mentally he'll stay in the game. I think he has to be knowing the type of striker he is and knowing the opportunities. That's what makes him so good is that, like he might not touch the game, the ball for a while. He didn't have a ton of touches in this right. final. But when the ball came to when it fell in his lap, he, he was ready. He, he, yeah. he wanted it. He finished I it. I love that. I mean, you know, and he had a couple, one or two other opportunities. Not a lot of touches, but he was there mentally. Yeah. Um, end of the day, great to see them get the win. Portland, not really developing much. Got to, you know, getting some more possession later in the second half as they started throwing on subs as they have to. It's down difficult to, to analyze the tactics of the second half of a final where you're losing. Where you're losing, because yeah. Because unless you're a team that has that identity that we talked in the mm. previous episode where it's so ingrained, right. um, which so few teams have. Mm-hmm. Portland, spoiler alert, not one of those teams. Right. Um, then it's very difficult to analyze because at the end of the day, the players are just trying their best right. to to score by whatever means necessary. So it's and difficult I, to, to look at that. Right. I think, I mean, Portland, great run by them from a you know, new coach. And to be honest, I mean, you have Valeri, who's the MVP from last year, great player. Uh, but... You know, not a lot up top without him. Not a lot of opportunities yeah. they're going to create. Kind of a suspect backline. Good midfield. Uh, but you saw one thing I will say for Atlanta United to kind of talk about was Eric Remidi in the middle. <laughs> love the guy. Uh, as a defensive mid, not always getting all the love in the world. Yeah, maybe right. un- mm-hmm. underestimated uh, there his, his contributions. But he was in there and he shut down Valeria. He didn't allow him to get too many opportunities <laughs> and too much space which I think really helped United take control of the game. We're talking about their midfielders doing what they need to do. That's exactly what happened. At the end of the day, we finally get a championship. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that was great. So, that was just so cool. Yeah, I'm a little upset I didn't go to the parade on Monday. Uh, I wish I had, but it looked like a great time. So, <laughs> maybe maybe more to come. Yeah, next season. Hopefully so, yeah. this is a franchise for... A lot of changes coming about for them. Obviously, rumors of Almiron leaving in January. Latest is Newcastle. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, Benny Martinez from River Plate just coming off yeah. winning Copa Libertadores. Uh, he's you know supposed to be coming. A new coach to be named. Uh, Greg Garza left today. He was bought by FC Cincinnati. So a lot of changes. It'll be interesting to see what they do next year. Yeah. Uh, speaking of of the Libertadores, I almost wish that I we and I don't really want to get into right. all that because we're not going to say anything that others have not said. I wish I only wish that. It would have been a little bit more predictable when the game was going to happen, so that we right. could have like planned to watch yeah, it and then analyze game. it here. Um, maybe, maybe next time, yeah, you know, next season we can look at a few more uh, common ball games. Right, that'd be really interesting to watch as well. Yeah, man. absolutely, I, I agree. 
So what are we going to watch do you wanna, next week? Do you want to give out some some bookings first? You know what? Yes. Because I, I, know, I know you felt I very passionate. Out, I want to hand out a booking. <laughs> okay, please, please go ahead. But while we're in the handing out bookings, yeah. I, we, I need to get like a whistle sound effect that we okay. can throw in here. Before I hand out a booking, I want to talk about the booking that I handed out last time, which was for the ridiculous formations. True. Yes, yes. Um, You know, cutting it a little bit back on, on the apps. So okay. I'm happy to see that. Again, yeah. more evidence that people are clearly people listening. People are listening. People are clearly listening. It might only be 10, but it's the right 10. It's the right it's 10. The right 10. <laughs> it's sorry. It's the guy that uh, sets the formations on the score app. Yeah. You know, I have not seen a ton of things about De Gea and you know giving up yeah. goals. So somebody at ESPN um, clearly somebody, watching. Somebody's watching. Somebody's listening. <laughs> or listening. Yeah. So I will say that now. Here's the booking that I want to hand out. Okay. And I am going to use Matic as the scapegoat, and okay. I'm going to officially, I guess, hand him the yellow. Okay. Not, it's not even warm. I'm going to hand him. Not a yellow. stranger to yellow. But this is fair enough. <laughs> but this is an observation of so many players. It is inexcusable for me to have a player who cannot use their quote-unquote weaker foot for absolutely <laughs> anything other than the plant foot yeah we say in spain that they only use it to get on the bus right That's the only thing he uses his right foot for we can i don't even want to talk really about plays like robin because right. he <laughs> compensates for that sure. okay so he compensates for that he managed to also robin doesn't play in a position where he has to have that dexterity with his right foot right Right. He can have his strategy. He's a dribbler. If he he plays in a part of the field where even if he loses the ball, it's okay for him to lose the ball. Right. Matic is a midfielder. Yes. Sometimes the ball <laughs> would come to him and he would so awkwardly shift his body. He's moving around the damn field like a crab <laughs> sideways exclusively so that he can pass the ball. It also means that if the ball is coming from his left, mm-hmm. the way he has to position the ball to pass it means that you know 100% where the ball is going. Right, right. I just think it's absolutely <laughs> inexcusable for a professional soccer player to not even know how to make a ten foot short pass with your right foot. Yeah, I I will agree with that. Also, I will support your yellow card. Ah, man, it's frustrating. <laughs> it is. It and is. sometimes we do. Uh, it's okay, even when a striker, for example, misses right. misses a shot with their with their weaker foot. It's okay. We can we can say that that is the reason why he missed it. Right. But. Even in that situation, that's the reason. It's not a valid excuse. <clears throat> Dude, you're a soccer player. You're in positions regularly where you have to like just hit the ball however you can to get it in the goal. You have to be better. Right. We can say the reason you missed it is because it is with your weaker foot. Just like sure. you can say the reason Fulham lost was because they were horrible <laughs> tactically. <laughs> right, that doesn't right. mean it's an excuse. Right. And... Especially and at I, that level, I agree. Yeah, and that's why I want to hand it out to Matt specifically. He was moving around the midfield like a crab, <laughs> yeah. just so that he could keep his body awkwardly angled, so that he could. Right. Ah, uh, so that's my yellow. To my okay. Uh, mine that I'm hand, I'm handing out. I, I might not go as far as a yellow card this week. Um, not quite as as passionate about it as you are, <laughs> uh, but I think it's, I think it's great. But and usually you know me, I am. But one thing I want to. I'm going to give a warning to MLS. Okay. Um, to the organization? To the organization. Okay. okay. The What bothers me is this: we have to be different. Okay. And for example, assists. When you score a goal. <laughs> okay. Okay. When you score a goal. Yeah. How many players get the assist? Just the one. Okay. MLS, they think they're hockey. We give out two assists. Interesting. So, you know, in, in this goal... 
the second goal, they gave the assist to Amiron and Josef Martinez. Why? It Okay. So when you look at statistics, you see, oh, Julian Gressel has 14 assists. Great. He ha- he's been setting people up. Well, you know, I want to go back and see, oh, how many of those were a second assist? Right. How many of those so were? So if you're a midfielder, you just... It should be expected that if you're a competent midfielder, you end the season with 55. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I just I don't understand why we have to be so different. And it's amongst so other rule it, changes, it's very American to uh, apply stats to everything. Right. It's because most of your sports are, are statistically driven. Yes. Statistically driven. Yeah, I agree. But it's just it's just one yeah. of those things right, that MLS enough. does, which I understand. Okay. If you look around, I'm sure there's plenty of other leagues that have their own little things and how they do stuff. But having made attention to MLS, and they've come a long way, I will give you that credit. And that's why I'm not going to give a yellow, because they have come a long way in the game since the 90s. But let's take it a step further, and let, let's let's be the same here. Yeah. Like, I just don't, I don't understand what the need for a second assist is. Why would, we, why would that need to be different than everybody else? Yeah. So I'm going to give them a warning. All right. Um, because I had a good, because I had a good time at MLS Cup. Uh, okay, very big. <laughs> they, they're getting because a warning you, because Atlanta won. Because Atlanta won. <laughs> okay. And Julian Gressel led the. You know, I think he he might have finished leading the league in assists. Okay. Him and Almiron. Which now, by the way, means nothing. To right. Me. Right. Of course. Of course. But <laughs> yeah, that's thing that I just learned. <laughs> yes. So that that is that is my uh, my warning. For I want to say that not a not a warning, not a card, because I think it might merit its own topic. Yeah. Uh, this is something you and I are both passionate about. Yes. And we should talk about this as maybe own short segment in the future mm. is the whole thing with the the whole ball having to go out. Yeah, it's weird to me that this is really just me ranting, <laughs> yeah. and I won't do it for long because I really do want to touch on this yeah. in a future podcast. But it's weird to me how everybody clearly knows that for a goal to count, one hundred percent of the ball has to go in. That if yeah. just the base goes in, it doesn't right. count the whole ball. Everybody we know understands that. that. There's no question. There's no ambiguity. Right. The commentators, the refs, the sure. players, everybody the understands fans, yeah. that on the field. The same rules apply to every <laughs> other line. Every right. other line on the foot on the soccer pitch yeah. is the same. The sidelines, the end lines, like yeah. they're all the same. But and yet, yet. <laughs> if a third of the ball leaves the sideline, yeah. everybody loses their minds. Right. And then the commentators will say oh, that left the field. Right. And sometimes the refs will call it. Right. I agree. Yes, we we've had conversations about that before. I think that that warrants a uh, uh, a, a small segment on a future episode. Yeah, maybe for sure. we can do a segment yeah. on like misunderstood rules. Yeah, things yeah. Like that because I don't want to necessarily bash the refs because this is something no, that yeah. everybody's doing. Right. So maybe we can do a little segment. I think that. I think that's a good idea. Okay, Sam, let's talk about what we're going to look at next week. What games are we going to watch? All right, so I think we'll start off on Saturday with Tottenham-Burnley. Yes, we have not looked at Burnley this season. Correct. Tottenham, we've only looked at them once. Right. In our whole two episodes, yeah, to right. be fair. Yeah. <laughs> only but, 50% of the time. Uh, no, yeah, I agree. But I think it's worth looking at now. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, we're really interested in watching the Fulham West Ham game. Yeah, yeah, I, you know? I, I agree. We've dished out a lot with Fulham. Yeah, yeah. Let's see if Claudio Neri uh, picks yeah. up with Sari and, think, and then listens to the episode. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and uh, I think West Ham might have some interesting, uh, might create some interesting notes for us. Yeah, I agree. West Ham is one of those teams that I uh, I keep waiting to to do something. I feel like every year they have some signings and then it's like I have a couple good games and yeah. that. So it'll be interesting, I think, to to review that mm-hmm. one. And then Sunday. Sunday, let's top it off with the uh, the big the big match: Liverpool versus Manchester United. 
hopefully I'm going to be in a good mood recording the podcast. <laughs> uh, that's going to be a tough one. I think it's you know, one of the biggest rivalries in sports, uh, given their history of these two clubs in the proximity. So hopefully it'll be a good one for Manchester United. But nonetheless, I think it'll be a good game to analyze. Sounds good. Well, I'll see you next week. All right. See you then. Thanks for listening, guys.